politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our life, our liberty, and our property here at home, not in Ukraine. If that is your goal, this is your place. Daniel Horowitz back here in the house. Blaze Media for Friday, the end of a week. It was a short week for us. Uh, Quite fortuitously, I was out training for exactly the sort of scenario that occurred in Uvalde this week. We had a good amount of people from our audience, and I hope you guys could join us next time. Because, folks, this is where it's at. When it comes to politics, there's really not much we can do. I try. I try to think of ideas. But we could fix ourselves. We can not only arm, but train. And this is where it's about. Starts with our children. They want our children groomed. They want them masked. And they want them all unarmed and sitting ducks. Wow. The more we find out about what happened, the more it follows the pattern that every world-changing, catalyzing event, and it seems like every week there's a new one, it's... The, the facts that come out in the ensuing days are the exact opposite of the initial reports that they use to drive a narrative and from that drive policy. Notice how every single time, COVID, BLM, January 6th, Ukraine, you name it, it's always the opposite. And then it's the obfuscation, what we don't hear about. Brooklyn subway shooter. Interesting. We don't hear about him. Waukesha, obviously, we don't hear about that. Some interesting developments with a Buffalo attacker as well uh, that we'll get to. But there's so much new information, and it's so unclear. See, I knew right away when we didn't know the facts. I said, look, if it were a favorable narrative, we would have known everything. I knew there was something funny. And while it's still very murky and very fluid and changing, what is clear is that government at every level, as always, failed the people because they're doing everything that they shouldn't be doing. Uh, So to secure domestic tranquility, which is one of their jobs that they should be doing, they fail at. And now they want us to not fill that vacuum embodied by what actually seemed to occur there that very day that they prevented parents from protecting them. And, of course, it was a gun-free zone. So we're going to talk about this and more coming up with our favorite congressman, who happens to also be the chairman of the Second Amendment Caucus, Congressman Thomas Massey. First, our sponsor today. Folks, what if every month were Christmas? How are you going to find your new favorite piece of outdoor gear, survival gear? You never know when you're going to need it, especially in the times we live in. That's why I turn to BattleBox. Um, I love the outdoors. I love camping, and I love BattleBox's quality uh, quality products. Their flashlights are terrific. My kids keep stealing mine. Um, and their outdoor stoves, they're hand-picked. They are brand-name, high-quality products. If you sign up for a BattleBox every month, they will ship it to your door at half the price of what they'd of really, you know, it, it typically costs. Just pick out the box that works for you, and they will send it right to your door. Um, from now until June 30th, okay? So you only really have a month to do this. 
get a free mystery box worth 115 bucks with any new subscription to battle to to battlebox and and the way you find that is trybattlebox.com/conservative again it's a free mystery box this is like a man's toy chest okay um, right now at t r y b a t t l b o x dot com slash conservative trybattlebox.com slash conservative okay so groomed masked and un- unarmed turns out that when push came to shove here it took an hour for them to get in the building but it's more than that it turns out that this kid here's the timeline 11:20 a.m. the grandmother calls 911 after being shot. 8 minutes later 11:28 the gunman crashes uh his truck near the school or in front of the school. At 11:30 2 minutes later he starts firing at people out this is outside. 11:40 the gunman enters the school. So he was outside for 12 minutes. It's not like you know one of these things kind of he rushes in, you couldn't have done anything about it. 12 minutes um, three minutes later, uh, at 11.43, the school reports lockdowns, but the kids are declared safe, of course. Um, 11.44, officers did arrive on the scene. They arrived pretty quickly, but they retreated. It wasn't until 12.45, an hour later, that agents entered the the school and and really it was because of the Bortac agents had this not been at the border it would have been much worse because you wouldn't have had Bortac there now let me say this we don't know enough I feel to indict uh indict the police officers you know and when I say indict I don't necessarily mean legally I'm just saying politically to blame them and that's not even my point how much bravery they should have that's not even the point But what we do have enough information to determine is that our schools are sitting ducks. We know this is going to continue happening, and we know exactly what needs to be done. They need the type of security at schools that school board meetings seem to have, fighting unarmed parents, by the way. We need citizen posses. We need retired law enforcement and veterans patrolling in unidentifiable, unclothed, ununiformed scenarios. It is very clear. It turns out there was no officer at the door like they first said. The guy came in, unlocked, walked in, not a single person armed, gun-free zone, cops scared to go in, cops prevented and pepper sprayed and uh, uh, arrested one parent from going in. It seems like somehow she got in in the end anyway. Again, there's a lot of stuff flying around, but it gets worse by the day for law enforcement. But it's not so much my intent to indict law enforcement. It's to demonstrate that the narrative emerging from Uvalde is not guns are bad, the exact opposite. There weren't enough guns there, and this could have been prevented. The lesson, the enduring lesson from all these, and it's getting tiring, is that you never should ever have a scenario where 20 people are dead. Most of the time, you should be able to shoot him dead right away. If not, you shouldn't have more than one person shot. If he's lucky, the assailant, he'll be able to kill that person uh, immediately. If not, it would be one injury, and then the guy should be gunned down. And here's why. 
we've experienced this enough to know that we have enough lunatics, enough of a cultural, mental health, you name it, problem, and we could talk about all that. But that's a long discussion. It didn't happen overnight. So that's not going to be solved overnight. But what could literally be solved overnight is this. One point entry. All the doors are locked. This is what we have at you know my son's private school. Okay, and there is an armed guard there. But here's the deal. Just keep in mind, the armed guard at the point of entry is very identifiable. He's a huge target. If he is successfully taken out, the guy has free reign, especially if it's a gun-free zone, which is almost every school. Now, my son's private school is not a gun-free zone, but certainly almost all the public schools in the country are gun-free zones. What you need is a mixture of two things synergistically working together, and this would ensure that a gunman, even if he would somehow get in, could never get too far and kill too many people. There are so many retired law enforcement and military veterans in this country in all communities. Some more than others, but they're everywhere. They would love to do this job. Rather than spending money on all the garbage we spend on fake education, this is the issue to focus on. You have a program, they take shifts, some might be volunteer, they get paid, you give them unassuming jobs, maybe they do some other things, help mentor kids, and while they're doing that, they're walking around inside and outside. And then exclusively on the inside, You have in every school a number of particularly administrators, office people, because they're more free to move around, not confined to one, you know, classroom responsible for particular students. But you do need, you know, as many teachers who are willing to volunteer as well. All of the above concealed carry, ununiformed. Okay, and then not just obviously concealed carry, but trained with the type of training we do with Patriot Academy um, for a a shooting uh, scenario, defensive handgun uh, training, how to win a gun battle, how to win a gunfight. That is where we need to head. This is exactly what needs to be done. How many Republicans are talking about it? Like I mentioned, Republicans are more on message on this issue than any other issue, but even then, I spoke too soon, they are getting off message And there are some concerns that they're not focusing enough on this issue and they're too into the mental health issue. And I want to I want to get to that a little bit um, to talk about, you know, just just the the issues that's been created with that and what we have to watch out for. I'm not worried about wholesale gun control. That's dead, because like I mentioned on Wednesday show, I was out yesterday we do have enough of a movement behind that. Nobody's gonna, no, nobody has an appetite for that, and every Republican knows they'll be primaried if they do that, and successfully primaried, unlike with other issues. And we need to make other issues as uh, backed by as much of a red line as, as gun control is. But what I am worried about is this quasi-red flag stuff, and that's what we're going to talk to Congressman Massey about today. First, our interview today is sponsored by Patriot Mobile. Look, DHS has created a whole department designed to combat disinformation, they say. We have no free speech. Just know that most of your communications are controlled 
by T-Mobile, AT&T, Verizon, a handful of companies that are all in on it, why not use America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider? Because they're actually passionate about your values and free speech. And the thing is, unlike most services where we try to deviate from the major ones, you can't get the same quality just because you know there's a monopoly. They offer the same nationwide coverage with the same towers as the major carriers. Here's what I want you to do. Go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT to get free activation with offer code CR as in conservative review. Veterans and first responders save even more uh, to make the switch today, especially in honor of Memorial Day. It's time we support companies that love America, love your values, and love our right to life, constitutional rights, veterans and first responder first responders so go to patriotmobile.com slash cr for a free activation or call their american english speaking hotline 972 patriot just before we bring on the congressman i want to just bring up a couple things here as far as mental health you know it's probably not a good idea to spend two years on social isolation social distancing masking faceless human beings teaching children an entire generation of young children to fear another human being for no good reason, teaching an entire generation to engage in antisocial behavior, probably not a great idea. I would venture to say that this is going to be an epidemic exacerbated by by COVID fascism because I do believe this is a real problem. And that's why it needs this solution. Um, it's it, it and and by the way, the the New York Post has a has a crazy article out that it turned out there is a COVID angle here that the father and mother didn't live together. Uh, the father said he had also been away from his son due to the pandemic, as he didn't want to expose his mother, who is suffering from cancer, to the virus. The COVID nineteen restrictions strained the two's relationship. It, you cannot imagine how many similar stories there are from this. So we're going to hear a lot about mental health, but we're not going to hear the right issue here. We have a mental health crisis beyond belief from COVID fascism. So how about instead of talking about banning guns, let's ban COVID fascism, ban social distancing, ban masking. Very interesting thing. He bought into this notion that somehow him being around his wife he couldn't be around as well. Now, I don't know. There might have been other issues going on there. There clearly were a lot of dysfunctional problems, but that is a very important issue. And then the other point I want to make, and, and I really want to uh, elaborate on this in the coming days, I want to resurrect my sheriff's posse idea. To me, now is the perfect time to follow Sheriff Mark Lamb's model from Pinal County, Arizona, to deputize citizens in a community have a training program to those that have the time, willingness, acumen, uh, ability to train to basically be a posse to help the sheriff's deputies. And they, they, they would be able to do everything except for make an arrest. But this is the perfect scenario to have a sheriff's posse unit to patrol the schools. Exactly what I'm talking about. Again, it could be anyone, but but retired law enforcement and military would be the perfect, perfect fit. 
But I also have another ulterior motive, as you well know, and what I'd be trying to do here. What I'd be trying to do is, because we, we need a sheriff's posse to get the citizenship, to have a militia together under the color of law, doctrine of least magistrate, with local law enforcement to potentially, in the future, push back against the higher magistrates' forms of tyranny and breaches of our rights when they come after us and cr criminalize our bodies, criminalize our values, say, hey, you got to shut down your business. You have a sh the sheriff's posse, the citizens say, no, this is against our law here. This is not happening. We're going to protect our people from you. Now, you know, everyone be like, well, why are you creating that? Well, now we have the perfect impetus to create it. I'm just saying it's not just to fend off violence within but tyranny, you know, from from without. When I say without, I don't mean internationally as much, but obviously, whether it's state or federal, this is exactly what we need with the sheriff's posse. But this needs to be drummed in more and more. I don't like that I'm watching, you know, where is this? Mitch McConnell is from CNN. Mitch McConnell told CNN Thursday he met earlier in the day with Texas Senator John Cornyn and encouraged the senior senator to begin discussions with Democrats, including Senators Chris Murphy of Connecticut and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, to see if they could find a middle ground on legislation to respond to the tragic Texas elementary school shooting. Um, what did he say? I met with Senator Cornyn this morning. As you know, he went home yesterday to see the family members and begin the fact-finding awful mission. And he wants them to find a bipartisan solution. Corden said there's a whole list of things that we can consider, but I think particularly mental health, access to mental health treatment is high on that list. I think we need to be open to whatever this leads us. I will tell you, I am not that concerned about gun control. I don't think, again, that's a testament to the strength of, of the issue. But I am worried about this red flag type of thing. And even if it's not a red flag gun control, but a red flag mental health. We all understand the known wolf problems. And it might turn out that this individual is a known wolf too. That basically, you know, like the Parkland shooting. We all know the FBI did nothing. And we all know that there is a proper place for deterring someone that clearly is a so-called red flag. Career, career repeat violent offenders are the ultimate example. But you have to realize, in the past, I would have been susceptible to getting sucked into this. But after what we've gone through, you have to realize they believe you and I are mentally ill. We have this trend of child protective services now going after people for giving their kids ivermectin, for you know not going along with hospital treatment and wanting, wanting to take them out of the hospitals. We have a big problem with child protective services now. This is a crisis of parental rights. I am very concerned about this. It's very easy to look at a dysfunctional family where a mass murderer ultimately comes out of and we're like, wait a minute, what the heck is wrong with them? We should have been all over that. I agree, but I'm very reluctant to get involved with that at a governmental level. Remember, the solution is simple. I laid out the solution. If you have school security the way we do, you will never have that problem. 100% of all these shootings the last two decades in schools have been at gun-free zones. Never forget that. That they know, by the way, the Buffalo shooter in his little manifesto there did say that uh, 
you know, these are good targets because they're, uh, he, he likes pick, he wanted to pick a gun for his own. And by the way, there's something funny there. I always felt that with that manifesto, he was, he was too stereotypical. So, uh, before we just veer back to this in Congressman Massey, some of you might have seen this, but um, WIVB in Buffalo is reporting law enforcement agencies in Buffalo are investigating whether a former federal agent knew in advance an 18-year-old white supremacist was going to attack the tops on Jefferson Avenue. Multiple sources told News 4. Law enforcement sources with direct knowledge of the investigation told News 4 the former federal agent was among a small group of people to have regular interaction online with the gunman. Very interesting. Very interesting. You wonder, as always, did the feds have something to do with it? Very, very interesting. Everything is not the way it is seen. It seems at first. Just never forget that. Nothing is the way it seems when it comes out. But the left understands that the narrative is driven by the first impression. And that's what's etched in people's minds. And then facts from there don't matter. This is what they feast off of with everything. So I'm not worried about the gun issue. I'm worried about what they're going to do with mental illness. Okay? I just don't think it's a good rabbit hole. I don't think it's a good rabbit hole given the type of government we have. Again, some of these things on paper might sound like a good idea. Like the Patriot Act. I'm not talking about just confiscating guns, even. I'm talking about child protective services. But let's let's get to Congressman Massey to open up this discussion. So you guys don't need much of an intro to Congressman Massey, 4th District of Kentucky, the Lone Ranger. Uh, he was actually just reelected with with a massive landslide. And I must say, folks... You know, every other congressman tries to jockey for Trump's endorsement, pander for it, and, you know, we get nothing out of it. Here, he was unendorsed by him. He was called a third-rate grandstander because he was the only one to really oppose the COVID fascism bills, which, by the way, likely induced uh, this mental health crisis that we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg at this point. Imagine if we would have had more people oppose that and oppose everything that was cascaded downstream from that. But then, you know, he stays the course. And guess what? This time around, Trump on his own went and endorsed him. That's what leadership is. And when it comes to this, the reason why I want to have Congressman Massey on is because we have this disease in conservative media uh, not just establishment Republicans, but but conservative media to panic in the face of fear. The left has a narrative. You have to look like you're doing something. Oh, and we do have an urgency to do something, but it's always something very different. And I'm not so worried about gun control in its traditional sense, given the strength of the issue within the party and the movement. But what I am concerned about is where they're headed on this mental health issue so with us today is Congressman Massey, who now has a new op-ed out today discussing just this issue. Congressman Massey, thanks so much for joining us on this grim week. Hey, thanks for having me on, Daniel. And yes, I uh, co-authored that op-ed with Nikki Goser, who uh, she's you know been in the gun rights movement for a long time. She watched her husband be murdered in front of her in a gun-free zone 
um, because she left her firearm in their vehicle when they went inside because there was a sign that said gun-free zone and she obeyed the law. Of course, her stalker did not, came up and shot her husband. They were newly married uh, several times right there in front of her and she was powerless to do anything. So she's really been part of the, the movement for a long time. Uh, this happened several years ago and, and she co-authored that with me. She works at crime research um, prevention right now. And um, she, you know, our point of the op-ed was, was this, that red flag laws are gonna do more harm than good. And we, we go through the different ways that they're gonna do harm. So, yeah, anyway, folks could see this red flag laws and unintended consequences at Real Clear Politics. And we've had Nikki Goser on before. She works with John Lott there at the Crime Research Center. Um, so, so here's the deal. Around 9-11 time, you know, I was very much of the thought process. I was pretty young, but I was of the thought process. Man, there's a lot of bad people around. Uh, we got these Islamic terrorists. So I thought the Patriot Act sounded like it was a good idea. Um, you know, you don't never want to target the item. You want to target the individual. So Republicans get that targeting guns doesn't work. I think that's pretty universal, even among the establishment Republicans. But Mitch McConnell did say he's tapping John Cornyn to try to work on a solution. And, and the thing that they keep name dropping is mental health. And, you know, they talk about funding, which, you know, throwing money at something never really seems to work. Uh, but one of the things that I feel they're going to look at is this idea that, hey, all these guys seem to have had red flags, so to so to speak. Uh, they had antisocial behavior. They had a proclivity for violence. And we all want something to be done about that. But my concern is the government that we now live with, what are they going to do with that? Yeah, well, you know, they're just blatantly... And I don't know if it's intentionally, maybe they're this ignorant, but they are blatantly ignoring the laws that are on the books in all 50 states that uh, allow you even to commit somebody to mental, a mental institution against their will their, um, and to take their firearms. These are already on the books. Now, the difference between what exists in all 50 states and what my colleagues in the Senate are proposing is that the, the senators, some of them, I don't know if this is what Senator McConnell had in mind, but, the, but what seems to be popular, especially among Democrats and now some Republicans, is this notion that you just skip the whole due process that exists in, in all of the laws today at the state level. In, in other words, these state laws, there's one in Florida called the Baker Act. In California, it's called the 5150 Code. And every state has this. If uh, you know somebody can go through a process, you can have somebody who, if you're worried that their state of mental health makes them a danger to themselves or others, you can take them through this judicial process where judges are involved, lawyers are involved, the, the person being uh, accused is involved, and a mental health expert is involved. And there's a court case before anything happens to the individual. And if they are adjudicated to be mentally, you know, mentally unstable, such that they're a danger to themselves or others, then they are provided mental health help, okay? This, 
these ideas have already been thought of and they've already been put into statute and they yeah. already exist in all 50 states. And the reality is you, you can't prevent every crime. And but like you said, the media, the right wing media is saying, oh, we've got to do something and they're wringing their hands. But so are some of my colleagues in Congress They're yeah. saying, well, we got to do something. They ignore that there's already laws on the books. They ignore that their proposals won't even address the the latest tragedy that's been used to gin up the you know the support for gun control no exactly and and you make make a good point and and again even pr- putting the gun aside and the confiscation of the gun of the individual but committing someone to a mental institution it's interesting because as you well know I'm into the crime issue and in general we've been you know the 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 country has moved away from incarceration, very into deincarceration. Part of that is not committing people, so that's the reason why we don't do it. It's kind of parallel to the gun laws. The yeah. mental health laws are similar to the gun laws in the sense that you go to Chicago and it's a right to carry city as long as you commit violent crimes with it, <laughs> because you you literally have people who violate their parole, which was like on an underlying crime of armed robbery, let's say by being a felony in possession and they're like damn we don't want to add to the numbers in prison again so they don't they don't lock them up i mean that's the truth we saw that in park with the parkland situation uh they call it uh the schoolyard to the prison yard or something they they don't want them they don't want to lock them up they you know it starts with the truancy issues in school it, it, so the liberals have two values that actually work against each other so you wrote this op-ed to say wait a minute we have the ability to go after red flags, so to speak. Um, there's a process for it. It's just you want to short-circuit it. But isn't there also a problem now that we've lived through COVID? We've lived through all the DHS bulletins that they believe you and I are terrorists. When we call for doctrine of least magistrate and cause call for you know, combating unconstitutional government, they'll say we are terrorists, we are threats, um, we're like, you know, the Parkland shooter, let's say. And so does that mean under what they are proposing, you're saying th- we would not get a fair hearing before they could take action and commit us to, to an institution? You, you will not get any hearing under you mean under the new laws they're proposing? Yes. Yep. Well, if there's a hearing happening, you won't even know about it. And there, there's no requirement that a mental health expert even be involved in that hearing. And the referral, even though, you know, they'll say, oh, it must come from a, a policeman. Well, an individual gives the tip to a policeman and the policeman makes the referral. Like these safeguards aren't safeguards that they're talking about. And um, you wouldn't know they're, they're not going to commit you to a, a mental institution. They're not going to do anything to help you. And the new laws, they're not going to. Uh, assign you a psychiatrist or, or or even prescription for anything, which frankly is not the solution to most of this. Yeah, they're, they're not going to find you any help even after they go through this kangaroo court process where you don't know you don't have the right to confront your accuser. And by the way, the the way this the red flag laws that some so some states have already implemented them. And so we have to sort of guess what the the national red flaw red flaw it is a flaw what the national red flag law would look like as distinguished so every state let me back up every state all 50 states have uh, a process that involves due process 
It's called the Baker Act in Florida. It's called 5150 Code in California. It's called different names in different states. But some states have gone the extra step and ignored the fact that they already have a process that's constitutional and have adopted new laws called red flag laws. And in those, you're you're guilty until proven innocent. And what happens more often than not, by the way, most of them are turned over later, like a, I think a third of them are turned over, not most, but a third, but most of them are false accusations. The difference between like a Baker Act type law and the red flag law is in the Baker Act, you, they will pay for an attorney if you can't afford one. In a red flag law type situation, you ain't getting an attorney and it, you're looking at $10,000 to challenge something that's already happened. And a lot of people don't have $10,000. The bank's not going to loan you $10,000. So most of the false accusations go unchallenged yeah. and you end up with your your rights abridged. And now you're you're a victim yourself. I love I love the angle you took in this op-ed. Not enough people are talking about it because, again, I follow the crime beat very closely. And what you find in all these big blue cities, but it's it's really everywhere now, is a huge mental health homeless problem where they have – and here we're not talking about, hey, you know, a neighbor calls up and is like, this guy kind of seems funny or, or seems mm-hmm. off. We're talking about people that were convicted with full due process. Like, I mean, you've seen these New York Post stories from New York, like, you know, 90 arrests and, you know, you know 25 convictions of, of violent crimes and, and nothing happens to them. And then you have this heinous murder and we always find out that, you know, there was this big paper trail. So we focus a lot on the mass shootings, but on these individual murderers in a lot of the big blue cities you see that they're reluctant to commit them. They're reluctant to go through those Baker uh, processes. So it's it's this whole thing is incongruent. Um, my question to you is: We obviously do have a solution, and I've talked about it, and you've talked about it, you know, ad nauseum for years. But before we get to that, do you agree with me that there is no solution at a federal level? I can't think of anything the feds could do here. Um, there are some very short solutions like for, for this particular problem. No, there's some things we can nibble around the edges. For instance, we could repeal the 1990 gun free school zone act, which has done nothing Mm. but to make students more, more vulnerable and to make it harder for states to set their own policies. Could, could, Could you describe that a minute? Um, does that mean a state couldn't say you have a right to carry? Well, so right now, and by the way, the schools where teachers are carrying and where the staff are carrying, this never happens. These shootings do not happen. The shooters, they're insane. They're criminally insane, but they're intelligent enough to get to the school and to, and to seek one out that's unprotected. And um, so anyways, the local school system, and if the states allow it, can override the, the federal law, but what, it, what, what the federal law still creates is sort of this ring around the school because it's a certain radius within the school that you can't carry. And it creates ambiguity because we have this federal statute uh, It's called the Gun-Free School Zone Act. And what if we would repeal it, it would make it unambiguous that, that it's not a federal crime and that it is completely up to the states, not just within the school mm. building, but out in the parking lot and on the, the 
you know, sidewalk next to the school. So there. So when you say there's nothing we can do federally, federally, we could repeal the Gun Free School Zone Act and make it easier. Sure. So that's one small thing. But in terms of putting new laws on the books, there, I, I don't see a solution. No, because I mean, you it, and I are obviously all for uh, the individual car- carrying the training programs there. Um, having retired law enforcement, military, but you don't want the feds getting in on that. You don't want the federal funding in on that. You don't, I mean, that's something you want to determine locally. So, but that's important with the gun-free zone act. I mean, you're not hearing Republicans talk about that. You're not. And no, and it's the dumbest thing because I would sit down and look at a Democrat and say, look, even according to what you're saying, you're saying you think somehow you could prevent it at the purchase level, you know, in their mind. But nobody will look you in the in the eye and say a carry an anti carry law. Once you have it, you all you're saying is that okay, you're going to murder someone. But oh darn, I can't carry the gun there. Right. How am I going to get it there? Whereas the one that obviously is going to defend, well, you know, he's told he can't carry. He's not going to carry. So you know, you're making it a, sh- a free shooting gallery there. Um, and I know it's hard to speculate now based on what we know and don't know. But but I, I'm. I'm not saying we have enough to to say that the police were incompetent, but what we do have enough to know is that clearly there was no deterrent, clearly at a free reign, and clearly it was in their you know local ordinances they were not able to carry there. No one was carrying, not a single person was carrying. Explain why just having a school officer, you know, because they're all going to clamor for that. Make sure, oh well, there was no officer there. You, you know, let's make sure we have it even in elementary schools. Why is that not good enough? Well, let me cl- close out the Gun-Free School Zone Act repeal. I think I've got about 18 co-sponsors on a bill to ju- do just that. Now, uh, one of my well-meaning colleagues, very well-meaning, conservative, pro-gun, suggested to me, well, would you be against having federal officers at schools? Like oh, uh, assigning a federal officer to each school. Can you imagine that? You know, a TSA. Now, now oh, your kids God. get patted down and are involved in you know, TSA. First of all, this you know the latest shooter. I think he walked through some back door uh, to the school that wasn't locked. I don't think they came through the front and asked to go through a metal detector. You know, there's there's no way to harden all the schools that we have, so that one officer could do the job. But sure. federalizing it is just a recipe for incompetency and disaster. And uh, control, too. You can't forget about oh, that. I mean, there's... My, they, they'd be telling <laughs> the teachers what they can and can't do and if they can carry scissors and what the scissors would be like. So that would be a mess. But let's let's talk about if they did do it locally, one of the falsehoods that, that keeps getting advanced and that is that if you have one safety officer at every school that you could prevent the or stop these mass shootings at the schools. Daniel, it, that those suggestions are made by people that have no police training whatsoever, I'm convinced, because if, for instance, look at the Capitol. You, you know, you've been to the Capitol where I work uh, and they they secure that's a that's an actual gun free zone <laughs> it's in the, you know the police have guns but to implement a real gun free zone that works 
Go look at Washington, D.C. and the Capitol offices at what is required. Every door, every entrance and exit needs two armed police officers. Every every way into or out of the building. Yeah, and there's a, no way we could afford that. And a metal detector and the lines. Can you imagine the lines in the morning trying to get the kids into school? The lines at the Capitol right now are about 30 minutes long, just, and they don't even allow tourists in right now, just for people that, you know, have a meeting with their congressman, they got to wait 30 minutes to get in the Capitol. And, and at those entrances, there are like four police officers because you can't be watching the metal detector and looking at the scan, the x-ray machine, and at the same time being tactically aware of what's going on. But anyways, it takes two other, or at least two to have any sense of security because the perpetrator is gonna identify who the guard is, boom, that's the first victim, and then they go on their spree. That is, and, and that is if the guard wants, feels like doing his job that day. You know, when you have two guards, it's a little bit harder to say, oh, I was, uh, you know, I was in the bathroom or I was over here. I couldn't get to that situation, which, you know, it's the, a lot of people think they're going to be brave and they're and they're cut out to be a guard. But oftentimes, and this is sad, when when the situation happens, either their training lets them down or they just don't have the, the motivation that they thought they would have. Yep, that's that's what we've learned. But yeah. if you had multiple people strategically dispersed throughout the campus, I think both you know paid administrators, teachers, but then also you know in some places I think there'd be a lot of retired uh, law enforcement, military, other people that would be willing to take shifts um, for a more cost-effective way of being in plain clothes inside, outside. Um, let me ask you this. By the way, you how many to, have we had in private schools? Just, how many of these shootings have we had in private schools? Do, do you know yeah. offhand? Definitely not. Definitely not. The majority are public. I'm not sure if all of them were. Right. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I, you know, I can't really speculate what the reason for yeah. that is. Uh, there are. Because the, the reason why I'm asking you that is because my kids go to private school and they have a choke point on the campus to get in. There's someone who watches you right there. All the doors are locked, um, and there are multiple people that are unknown that do carry. Um, but what they don't have is a stupid metal detector that just disrupts the kids and whatever. So to, to me, that works much better, and it's a private school. And I just wonder, I could be wrong, but if not all of them, certainly almost all of them have been public schools that have been targeted. Well, People uh, can't just sort of randomly walk into a private school and case the joint or, or you know, it's usually a, a smaller, closer knit community and people know if you're a stranger there. Yeah. And so there's the element of uh, the unknown that a perpetrator would have. It's a, there's a good chance they've not been into that school and can't get into that school to see what the situation is beforehand and may and may suspect that the, at the private school that there is somebody that's armed they just don't know and that's what you need is the element of surprise i'm glad you mentioned previously uh you know plain clothes uh volunteers because uh not just so you don't startle the children but you need to have the element of surprise that's what the perpetrator has 
And if he's comfortable, uh, and I said he because these are never a she. Yep, which, all males. Yeah, but if he's uh, comfortable and knows there aren't any surprises for him, then, you know, there they go. He's off to the races and, the, and you know, tragedy ensues. Okay, so I think we understand overnight how to stop it. And when I say stop, I mean, you know, at the be- best chance, no one gets killed. Worst case scenario, you, you'd have one or two before someone would be able to gun him down in our model. And that's kind of what you see in Israel. Hamas, a couple of months ago, had some of these shootings. Usually they're running people over bombs. But they actually did have some shootings. And you'll never find 20 people dead. You're just never going to find that. Um, because there usually is someone in close proximity with concealed carry that's going to take him out, and that's what we need. Well, yesterday, just yesterday, a woman in West Virginia shot a man who was firing an AR-15-style rifle into a crowd. She she took it upon herself to shoot this guy. She killed him, and he actually— With a handgun. With She killed him with a handgun. He had a rifle— and uh, miraculously, nobody else was killed in this situation. But this was yesterday. I mean, that happens, and it only needs to happen frequently enough that the perpetrators know that instead of going down in glory, they're, they're going to be humiliated. So I want you to talk a little bit about that, elaborate on that point. So we believe that our model would stop most of this, um, you know, but also speaking to the root of the problem it does on, on on the surface what we're proposing doesn't speak to the, the to the root of the cultural mental illness whatever you want to call this amalgamation of what i believe is multiple factors which there's no doubt covid has really exacerbated you know social distancing is not exactly uh uh you know a strategy that is conducive to social behavior and that's something i think we're going to see unfortunately in in the coming months and years but It kind of does speak to it in the sense of deterrent. Now, I don't think you could deter them from dying or long sentences, which would deter the typical street criminal because they, on the surface, are kind of going out in a blaze of fire, but they want to go go out with that blaze of fire. How do you feel that this would deter over time the copycat mindset that this is clearly a copycat? Um, There's something about their brains with the social media that it's it's like a feedback loop, um, you know, because like this thing went he went nuts. He killed you tried to kill his grandmother. This guy, um, which unfortunately you have these domestic disputes. But why did he then go to a school? To me, there's no doubt because um, it's been etched in his mind that that's kind of what you do now. Yeah, he he imagined the the news that would happen, that would ensue, and the and the national attention that it would garner, and you know, posthumously, that's what he's. That's what he's getting. He is he's getting all of that. What he thought he's getting. What if first of all, if more of them failed because of uh, they targeted a school that, where there were plainclothes people carrying firearms and able to defend the children. If more of them failed and more of those failures were were made as public as their I don't want to call them successes, but as their killing sprees. Uh, that would deter it. But I think, you know, instead of showing pictures of the kids or the grieving parents, show these cretins in their, with their skulls half blown off, 
having defecated themselves in their own pants and, and urinated on themselves in their last few miserable moments of life, put those pictures out and, and see how many of them sign up for that. <laughs> that. That's a very powerful point. It's not just a matter that we could harden, but not so much like when Republicans talk about hardening it. We're doing a little, it's a little bit more subtle, hardening our schools to stop the attack, but this perpetual feedback loop. Because you mentioned Charleston. I didn't know about that until this morning, and I, I look for this stuff. I didn't know about it. And you won't. You won't hear it anywhere. They're not going to show it. Show these stories, the success stories, and then the more you do it, the more of it you'll have. And then the more you'll have people taking out bad guys rather than the feedback loop of the 20 dead pictures. Um, and then, you know, they'll, they'll constantly lock in on that. I think that's really, really powerful. Um, so we, we covered that mental health. I do want to get to the nuts and bolts of some of the typical gun arguments. So the the big three things that they're always uh, uh, pushing are, I want to go through one one by one. Raise the minimum age to 21, quote, universal background checks and restrictions on AR-style rifles. Let's go through each of those. All right, the age thing. They're like, all right, you know, these guys seem to be kind of the borderline teenage, maybe sometimes 18. Well, what if you raised it to 21? Would you prevent some of this? Why do you think this guy wouldn't have done this when he got to be 21 years old? I mean, that would be my first question. He, you know, uh, I think he did it his first available opportunity. Was his brain going to develop and, and he, was he going to become a, a good person? I don't think so. Uh, the other thing is when, you know, let's pick an age for an adult. When do, you, when do you get to vote? When can you be drafted? When can you enter legal contracts? When can you rent a car? When can you drive a, a tractor trailer? Let's pick one age for adulthood and quit trying to say we're going to attenuate your constitutional rights, you know, until you get to the age of 30. Uh, so that's, yep. you know, those are my arguments. It would, it's not going to it's not going to stop it. The guy's the guy wasn't going to get any better as life went on. Okay, well, yeah, I mean, you're you're eight years old. Eight years old is in, is is old enough to uh, cut your you know what off and make that determination. So they kind of like moving that target around depending on the issue. All right, this universal background checks. Um, Pat Toomey, outgoing senator, always talks about that. This guy passed um, a background check. If we're talking about it in the context of this this shooting, right? He passed a background yeah. check. There's yeah, and I think what's important is, I mean, part of what's so confounding about, um, meaning if, you, if you're talking about the mass criminals, so enforce the freaking felony possession laws, which we don't, and have consequences for them. If you're talking about the lone wolf, like mass shooters, the problem is they usually don't have criminal records. So they will pass a background check. This guy presumably did, right? I mean, um, and they usually do. Um, all right, then they're like, okay, well... You're right that almost all homicides are committed by handguns, but the big ticket uh, events that kill 20 people are are the rifles. Well, here's the thing. It's it you know, I hate to I hate to be like coaching the liberals on how to do effective gun control. <laughs> And, and so I'm reluctant to say that on the air because I turn around and one of my colleagues will introduce it. 
But anything with a detachable magazine is going to be lethal, and you can carry as many rounds as you want as long as you can detach the magazine and put another magazine in it. And that is almost every handgun that exists. Yep. And th these children weren't going to be any better off being shot with a 45 hollow point than with an AR-15, you know, 223 yeah. uh, full metal jacket or whatever he used. The, it's, it wasn't going to change the outcome. The, the AR-15 is actually designed for engaging at longer ranges, ranges that mm. these people, the, the shooters, never engage in. And the length of the barrel is actually a detriment. Number one, it makes it easier to conceal. You know, you can get a lot further with a handgun, sure. but also in like this guy was parading around with it, um, according to the Wall Street Journal, for twelve minutes outside. The, I mean, it's just it's just so profoundly ignorant to think that if you take one version of a gun and you ban it, that you're going to keep this stuff from happening. Look, a shotgun, okay, with buckshot in it, is the tactical <laughs> equivalent of a machine gun inside of ten yards. Oh yeah. It fires it fires a dozen rounds the size of that would come out of a, a pistol or you know the diameter is is as big as the bullet coming out of an AR15. It's the difference is it's not going to be effective past let's say 30 yards. But inside of but you're never going to engage somebody 90 feet away in yeah. once you get inside of a building. Okay, so it's right up front. I mean, the only long distance thing I could ever think of were the DC snipers, you know, back right. whatever, right. Know, 20 years ago. So you'd, if you're going to if you're going to go through the list of things you you would have to ban to stop this from happening, it would have to include virtually every handgun that's being sold today, because almost all of them are semi-automatic and easily reloadable with the change of the magazine or and it would have to include the most basic hunting weapon that we have which is a shotgun mm. shotgun would be devastating and, and and you're right i mean this guy barricaded himself into a classroom okay you want to go in a classroom i mean i'm really good with a handgun much much more so than a long arm i'm a handgun guy you give me i've i've regular nine millimeter regular nine millimeter handgun um you have multiple rounds you have defenseless people um I mean, yeah, you could take out every single person in that room just as well. And if you're with, gonna with, if you're gonna have a chance of disarming somebody, and you don't have a weapon, and that other person does, and you're closing in on them, you would hope they have a long gun. Yeah, sixteen inch barrel, you rather got, than yeah something more tactical. I mean, that's that's the thing. Obviously, in elementary is tough because the kids aren't going to do it. You can't rely on them. Right. Um, and that's what was so devastating here, but. But that's the thing. It's like every argument they have, you know, on, on the first, if you have one level of intelligence, it kind of sounds nice. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, it doesn't work. And again, I don't think most Republicans are susceptible to, to that. Um, but but like you said, it's this red flag stuff that that's really the issue. It's enforce current laws. Uh, but there's reasons they don't want to enforce it because their whole criminal justice reform kind of works against that. And then obviously, 
you know, just the, the right to carry, everyone carry, and the gun-free zones. And then, of course, glorify the takedowns that we start to see from that rather than than, than the opposite. Any closing comments before you yeah. sew this up? Yeah, just, um, you know, if, if red flag laws, if all they were, were was that they were ineffective, I wouldn't be that concerned. But there's two things they're going to do. They're going to be weaponized. If you've, if you've seen how the FBI has been weaponized at school board meetings, you can be sure they're going to weaponize red flag laws. Look on Twitter. There are people full of hate. They do not want you to have a gun under any circumstance, and they will weaponize red flag laws. Number two, red flag laws are worse than nothing because the, if you uh, do need mental health treatment, and you know that going and getting that treatment is going to get you flagged, you're less likely to seek it. And then the situation gets worse and worse. And this is profoundly true for police officers, for instance. If you know they're afraid that they're going to lose their ability to carry a gun, they're not going to go seek treatment. And so then the situation gets worse. And so anything like this that that applies a stigma and and makes you a second class citizen merely you know for seeking mental health treatment is going to be bad so red flag walls are going to make the situation worse um, they're worse than nothing and uh, the things that you just recommended would work you know repeal the federal gun free school zone act with more school boards Need and more states need to adopt policies that allow sane adults to protect children against insane individuals. It's that simple. It really is. Uh, target the problem. Focus on your front sight. You know, yes. going back to shooting. You know, that's the thing. Don't get distracted. Um, do what actually works. And I'm I'm telling you, Congressman, we're counting on you. Don't sit off there on your ranch there, you know, be all happy and take a vacation. You got to lead this fight. You know you do. <laughs> so no vacation time for you the next couple of weeks oh, because I, I am afraid that something is going to come out of this. I don't feel it's going to be pure gun control. I am afraid of this. And and again, I do, I, I, it's not just the, the shooting issue. I'm really afraid of the political terrorism slash COVID mindset that our government has and what they're going to use it for you know if school boards focus on this rather than um some sort of strategic plan to have multiple plainclothes people carrying on a, on, a, on a campus if they start focusing more on the students the mental health we all definitely want legitimate red flags to be dealt with but as you mentioned there's laws for that if they're going to do something more my fear is it's going to be a student you know promoting I don't know, listening to you, listening to me, and that's going to be a red flag. My, and my, that's very concerning. Yeah, I mean, they would. there are millions of people in this country who think I deserve a red flag for the Christmas photo that I tweeted, for oh, instance. Oh, that's right. Uh, they, would, they would red flag me and my children and my wife and any, anybody in that picture. Um, they would say no sane individuals would would, uh, you know, get out and talk, get their guns out and talk about guns at Christmas time or no sane individual give another individual a gun at Christmas time. Uh, 
but rest assured, Daniel, if there's one person who will speak out among the 435 <laughs> that that I am a member of, sometimes <laughs> ashamedly, sadly so, because they're creating so many problems in this country, and I'm talking about Congress. If there's one member, as you saw on March 27th, 2020, who will say what needs to be said when nobody else will, it's going to be me. So... Keep. Well, you you've you've progressed from third rate to first rate according to Trump. <laughs> That's so right. You're uh, you're making progress. Well, anyway, go go back to your little uh, yes. uh, farm there, and uh, one day I'll have to join you on your piece of paradise. All right. Please, and we'll we'll get some target practice in, and uh, we'll solve the world's problems here. Awesome stuff. Take care, man, folks. This just demonstrates. I just wanted to say politics is not a, a math. It's not a matter of numbers. Oh, I got this member, that this number of seats. That one guy is like worth 435. He's literally the Lone Ranger. Um, there's nobody quite like him in in, in this generation. Uh, proud to be a friend. Um, just such a, he's like an MIT grad red, redneck. That's really what he is. Uh, awesome, awesome human being. Um, just clear thinker. Never never shakes there's no political calculation with him whatsoever uh, even i was scared when he was going up against trump on the covid thing i was like man you got to watch out that you don't get defeated from this he he didn't care he just plowed along and he forced trump to come crawling back to him uh that, that that's that's what a win is but i just wanted to say closing out here you know as we head into memorial day it truly is a painful time when you think about all the soldiers that sacrificed for someone else's country, for Afghanistan, for this crap, you know, area of the Tangi Valley in, in Afghanistan or, you know, Fallujah. And God knows if we have in Ukraine, it wouldn't surprise me if we have special forces in Ukraine and Somalia, and we still do that. And all these people that made the sacrifice, and as, as horrible as it is from the governmental level, it truly is amazing the human beings we have in this country. You know, when you have these tribal wars overseas and we have Green Berets, for example, I'm just, you know, giving one type of veteran that they go and, and fight with them. For, for the people there, they're fighting for their lives. That is their country. For our God, and, and frankly, most of the time, their lives are worth nothing anyway. Our guys have wives and children and they leave them to pretty much fight for other people. Now, that's an indictment of our government, but it really is extraordinary how many people have given their lives, certainly the last 20 years for that, and and God obviously will reward them, even though the leadership was horrible and the macro mission was often stupid. But to bring it back to this point, can you imagine how many of these veterans would be willing to, you know, if they were putting in that much dedication overseas— to fight for American children on American soil in their neighborhoods. Because again, my fear is, just with the COVID mental illness and social isolation and antisocial behavior that our government created in mass for an entire generation, and then this obsessiveness in the media over it and plastering the pictures, my fear is it's going to be a feedback loop and it's going to keep occurring as a constant thing that that's what we see with social media today it feeds on itself it, it, it self-creates 
we badly need to deal with this. We badly need sheriff's posse, community policing, and that means the people involved with local law enforcement, plain clothes with the clear authority to take someone out. Um, we know what needs to be done. Don't get sidetracked with the mental health. There is a mental health problem, but we're not going to solve it with what they want to do. And just like we see with the FBI, they perfectly miss every one that truly is a red flag. And then they come after people like us. We don't need to imagine this as a possible ancillary detriment of a law. Well, maybe it could be used against us. They are using it against us. They are telling us we're terrorists. We're the number one terrorist. They will use it to take away our guns. They'll use it to commit us. They'll use it to take away our children. It is the dumbest thing. Like Congressman Massey said, we have felony gun laws and we have mental health laws on the books. You want a hearing? Go have one. Why would you want to short-circuit that process? Okay, that is where I see this fight headed. That's where I see Republicans getting involved. They all think you need a federal response. The only federal response we need is repealing the gun-free zone law. Um, I haven't forgotten about some of our COVID stuff. We were kind of a week behind on that. We'll get back to that more next week. There is a lot more going on on that as well. Till next week. Let's commemorate our veterans properly, those who gave uh, their lives. But most importantly, let's make our country and neighborhoods worthy of that sacrifice. Till next week, we'll be off Monday. Tuesday, we'll be back. Same time, same place. God bless you all. God bless our veterans. And thank you for listening.